Hello and welcome to the people behind your food. I'm Chef Ryan Callahan and I have today Deb Ace, who I'm super excited to interview and I've been talking about this for what seems like months now at this point. But Deb Ace is a lunch lady in Tennessee, Tennessee, right? Yes, sir. All right, so she's in Tennessee and uh, I got hooked up with her from a friend of a friend, so now we're friends. And that's just kind of how I think it works in the restaurant business. Um, so hi, go ahead and say hello, Deb. Say hello to all the lovely people on the internet. Hello, all you lovely people on the internet. This is Deb Ace. <laughs> okay, so um, I've known you. I, I, you know, I've known you for about a month or two now because we've been kind of hooked up to, you know, do this, that, and the other. So let's tell everybody all about you. So are you ready for the quick get to know you questions? Go for it. Okay, so how old are you? 46 as of last week. Okay, wow, happy birthday. Thank you. So your favorite movie? Well, I don't watch a lot of TV or movies, but if I had to say my favorite movie, it would probably be the same kind of different as me. Okay. Um, and what's your favorite TV show? Impractical Jokers. <laughs> <laughs> I just love those guys. Like, like if they are out there somewhere listening, like I want to be there. <laughs> you want to be on their show? Yeah, I will do anything. Let's go for it. Uh, so what's your favorite music? Well, it depends what I'm doing. Like, um, I'm a huge exerciseaholic. So that would be Pandora, Nickelback. Um, if I'm getting ready for work, maybe a little Natalie Merchant. Um, I love a little Steely Dan. Um, I'm a little country. Whatever. It depends on the mood. So you, you like to keep it like in the, the country rock and roll genre. I'm in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to find you at like a, a local electronic dance music uh, concert kind of thing. Well, I'm not going to rule it out. <laughs> <laughs> Life is for the living, right? That's right. All right. So are you, a, are you a cash person or are you a card person? Well, Dawn, I'm a lunch lady. I have neither. But I would say, <laughs> um, I would say cash. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Like, that's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's a good policy. If I don't have it, I don't spend it. But I spend and it all so fast that I don't have it. That's right. Enjoy life. So what is your favorite type of ice cream? Oh, gosh. You're talking to the girl that makes her own bone marrow broth. Um, I would say um, strawberry. Strawberry? Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Um, see, I'm simple also. Um, I like chocolate. Like like the chocolatiest chocolate is even better, especially if it's like a, just a chocolate gelato. That is my jam right there. That is, that's it. That's all I need. I don't need anything fancy. See, I don't do chocolate at all. Like I, I seriously, my dessert is bone marrow broth and I cook it for like 48 hours. Like I have issues. <laughs> <laughs> I like bone marrow broth, but I don't know if I would eat it as a dessert. It's so savory, you know? Oh, it's so good. You have to cook it for like 48 hours and it's the best ever. But yeah, um, uh, strawberry, I don't really eat ice cream, but milkshakes, I like strawberry. Good choice. So what is your, now you've said bone marrow broth. Would you say that that's your favorite food? 
Yeah, like I make it every month. In fact, it just got delivered to my house like five minutes ago, the bones from New Jersey. And um, I boil them, roast them and cook them for 24 to 48 hours and I drink it and it is so good for you. Yeah, I'm not your average lunch lady. I mean, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny you say I'm not your average lunch lady because to be honest, and one of the reasons I wanted to interview you is because I don't know anything about you know, lunch ladies. I don't know any, like, as far as I knew as a kid, there were these people who existed behind this glass plate. And that was all (laughs) I knew about them. I knew that the food was there and they'd put it on the thing. And sometimes the food that was there wasn't quite really even food. Um, Like we we had this nacho. mystery meat? (laughs) Yeah, the mystery meat and the, the, the nacho cheese that when you roll it into a ball and it cools, it bounces. Um, we had that as a kid. I remember making super bouncy balls out of nacho cheese and just thinking, I don't think this is edible. How is this even remotely edible? Yes. Yes. Well, let me tell you, school nutrition has changed so much. And, um, I would like to say that I've been about big part of that. I mean, you know, respecting the children and with our new regulations, um, compromising and making food that they will actually enjoy. Good. And we'll dive yeah. deeper into that uh, in a little bit. So dogs or cats, which one are you, Deb? Well, I've always had dogs my whole life. My dad, when I was growing up in England, raised pigeons. So obviously cats were not our best friend. But now I have, I know you're my friend on Facebook, so you've probably seen my Maine Coon cat Mm -hmm. a million times, (laughs) and he's my life. So right now, cat. I like it. I like a Maine Coon. They're so big and fluffy. Yes. Who wants a skinny cat? Like, that's creepy. Like, so my cat is, like, amazing. (laughs) It's like those hairless cats. I mean, I get, like, you know, sometimes you need them, and it's a unique breed, and all animals should be true with love. I'm going to be honest, they creep me out. Yeah, me too. Like, if I, if I can feel your bones, I don't want anything to do with you. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no skeleton love in between the two of us. There, there is none. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you mentioned you grew up in England. So, tell, tell me about that. So, so, where in England did you grow up? It's a pretty big country. I grew up um, just outside of Liverpool. Um, it's called Wallasey. And um, my family is all still there. And I moved to America when I was 17. Um, And um, so I have pretty much grown up here. Mm -hmm. And I just knew from a very early age that I wanted to live near Disneyland or Disney World. One of the two. (laughs) It's a huge country. I mean, there are, like, other things going on than that. Like, No, no there was this show called Jim Will Fix It when I was a kid. And, like, you sent in these requests and you wanted to go do something and Jim would fix it. Well, Jim never fixed it, so I had to do it myself. Oh, well, there you go. I, I, yeah. I, you know what? That's a positive way of looking at it. And so, <laughs> so you're from Liver- outside of Liverpool. You moved to the United States when you are 17. So you've been here for about just about 30 years. And then uh, where do you live now? I live in Maryville, Tennessee. So that explains your strange speaking pattern and dialect. Yes. Um, I'm a bit of a linguistics nerd. And I noticed that you have the baseline of what you, what I refer to as like the Liverpool accent, the Northwestern England accent. Yes. And then 
you throw in these southern pronunciations of words every <laughs> once in a while, and it keeps throwing me for a loop. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When I moved here, um, the way I stayed out of trouble in England was I worked out. Sure. And so when I moved to America, I lived with a couple. He was from um, New York and she was from Massachusetts. So wicked cool was my phrase for like <laughs> years. And we organized natural bodybuilding competitions. Mm-hmm. And so I, a lot of people will say to me, are you from New England? And I'll be like, no, I'm from old England. So uh, <laughs> it's like... Um, so I did that for years, um, and it's still very successful. Um, there are bodybuilders whose waist is bigger than their neck, you know. Um, sure. So yeah, that's so. So my accent is is kind of just mixed. Sure, it, I you can't even call it a mid Atlantic accent, you know, like no. like Kelsey Grammer. It's not mid Atlantic. So it's it's old England, New England. And then some some southern pronunciations. I love it. I, I could talk to you all day just because I, you're a nice person. So it doesn't, you know, change anything for me there. So let, I think we've got an, a handle on who you are. So mm-hmm. let's go into what you're all about and what you've done. So, Deb, big question. It's the hardest one in the entire interview, which is who are you and what do you do? Um, I am Debbie Ace. Um, I am a manager of a high school cafeteria, Merville High School in Merville, Tennessee. Um, I moved to America, as I said, when I was 17. Um, did some natural bodybuilding competitions, worked for a plastic surgeon in Boca Raton, Florida, um, had children, moved to Tennessee for the school system volunteered um, pretty much for six years. And one day, Mac's husband said, well, you're there all the time. Why don't you get a job? (laughs) And so I was like, oh, that's a great idea. So um, I started working as a sub at the high school. And within a year, I was manager. And um, I love to hike. I love to work out. I love anything athletic. I love to be an inspiration to children. I love um, Tennessee. I love North Carolina. I love being outside. Um, I'm really a pretty laid back, simple kind of girl. Just, just love and I'm passionate about children and making a difference in school nutrition, especially since all the new regulations came into effect in 2012, when we basically had to start feeding children things they didn't want to eat, like broccoli. (laughs) 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 Like, it was, it was hard. Like this year, like when this, this year, when the sophomores come in will be the first year that the kids don't know any different. Like, they finally have only known the new regulations. Oh, that's a good point. I always forget that, like, okay, this is going to sound terrible, but I'm a, but I can be terrible sometimes. Um, <laughs> I forget that children age, if, if that makes any sense, like, <laughs> at all. But, like, I get that it's 2019, so it's seven years ago. So, yeah, I mean, kids would have never known at all if you were, you know, six and then you'd be, or if you were seven, then you'd be 14 coming into high school. And they, you're right, they wouldn't have known any different at all. Right, right. And, and, and I think the thing is to respect the kids and, and to make the cafeteria a place where 
they can come and relax, where they see a smiling face, where they can get nutritional food, where we still meet the guidelines, which are super strict. It's crazy. Right. But, st- but not feed the garbage can, feed the kids. So, right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with the term lunch lady. Um, <laughs> so, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> so let's start there. Um, what is the actual term for what you do? It's obviously not lunch lady. I am a school nutritional professional. School nutritional professional. I like that. So mm-hmm. um, as you heard with, uh, I'm sure as the, our previous view, listeners will know, uh, we interviewed Ryan Allison and he is a dietitian and he was explaining to me that a lot of times a school district will have a nutritionist on staff. Do you have a nutritionist, not a nutritionist, a dietitian that you work with at your school district? No, sir. Okay, so that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. I mean, I have a wonderful boss, and um, she's the director of school nutrition, and she gives us so much flexibility and allows us – I mean, I sent my staff to sushi school, and we did a sushi grab-and-go, obviously not raw fish. We we did California rolls, but Mm – we have guidelines we have to have to meet. We have certain calories, sat fat, sodium, and then at the same time we have to make children enjoy the food. So it's very very difficult. We go to so many seminars and and we we have so much training. We have to be um, involved with the School Nutrition Association. We have to have certain credentials. There's a lot more to school nutrition. We don't just put food on a plate and go home every day. I mean, we have production records. We have six cents reports. We have so much we have to do. There is so much to a lunch lady that people have no idea about. That's crazy. So let's, I think that's a good time. I think this is as good of a time as any for a lead into what exactly are your duties. Let's talk about that. So, so you said you got to, I mean, obviously there's paperwork in any job. But, it, mm-hmm. you know, it, you're, so you're not opening a can of Dinty Moore stew, heating it up and slopping it on a plate. So what, I mean, walk me through your day. Um, my day consists of getting up around 3.30, um, going to school, um, making breakfast. Um, and, and you have to think, you know, those children come into school. And I'm a mom. And there's times I, you know, my God bless my children. They don't have to deal with me in the morning because I'm already gone. Um, (laughs) but there's, you know, a lot of children that get up and their parents are getting ready for work and they're rushed and they come to school and believe it or not, the hardest meal to serve to children is breakfast because they don't want to eat, you know, they're not hungry yet or whatever, but it's the most important meal of the day. So I try and make a really nutritious breakfast for them, whether it be chicken and waffles, breakfast burrito, um, you know, biscuits and gravy, um, whatever the case may be. And then um, we have a second breakfast opportunity um, midway through the morning where they can get a chicken or a sausage or a regular biscuit. And then um, I do my paperwork, whether it be inventory or ordering or whatever the case may be, Um, production records, six cents evaluation forms, which is basically to comply with the regulations, we get an extra six cents um, from the government to comply with the regulations because obviously fruits, vegetables, and whole grains are expensive. Right. 
So we have to comply with all of that. Um, and then we go into lunch and we have three lunches and, um, we try and we have a huge salad bar. We're like Ruby Tuesday and, um, and then, you know, make, just making every kid feel safe and warm and, and happy and someone to talk to and it's not stressful and, um, making that environment, an environment kids want to come to because that's how to how you make them eat is right to, to to bring them in and so then and then after they leave we have to do our production records for the day which basically is what we served who we you know how much of it we served what we had left over and what we did with it and and then we go home and um that's basically our day so my, our day is usually 6 a.m to 2.30 p.m. That is a nice, long day. Yeah. And then summertime, we do summer feeding. <laughs> okay, summer feeding sounds to me like you're giving someone a feed bag and strapping it on there. So <laughs> you're going to have to elaborate a bit on that. Okay, summer feeding is actually the most amazing thing ever. What it basically is, is any child under the age of 18 can eat for free breakfast and lunch all summer. And I deliver and I also have an open feeding site. So we'd not many districts do it, but mm -hmm. I think it's so important because there's so many children that eat two meals a day at school and then they go on summer break and they, their parents still go to work and they have no food. So we run a summer feeding program and we feed children. Uh, this year will be May 28th through July 26th. Okay. So let's explore this a little bit. Because um, I, I did want to talk about basically this idea of, you know, they talk about in the United States, the wealthiest country in the world, uh, mm -hmm. where most of us are fat. I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those. Um, <laughs> but they talk about kids who go, they go hungry and I've actually run into this and I, I've heard about this where, like you just said, a lot of kids, um, from, you know, less affluent areas, they don't, they don't really get fed as much at home. Um, right. like when I was growing up as a kid, food was never an issue. My mom just couldn't cook. So that's why I'm a chef. <laughs> she just had no idea how to cook. You know, what did my mom make for dinner? It was reservations. And that's not a joke. That is reality. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I love it. So uh, you want to make a chef? That's how you do it. Um, but talk talk to me about the role you guys play. If we're helping those kids, you know, who don't necessarily have that opportunity to get the food at home. You know, how well, real is that? Well, it's it's huge. I've done it now for seven years. At least I've managed it for seven years. Um, and basically, it doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter where you live. Um, we have adventure clubs. We have boys and girls clubs. We have local housing authorities that I deliver to. Um, and then we also have an on-site feeding site. And it's run through ETHRA, which is the state agency in Tennessee. And um, it is completely free, which, you know, sounds too good to be true but if you're listening to this somewhere other than tennessee please contact your local state agency and see if they have a program 
Um, and basically we make grab and go meals. We do hot meals. Um, it might be a hamburger or a hot dog, chicken nuggets. We also do cold meals, sandwiches, milk, juice, fruit, vegetables, and it is completely free to anybody under the age of 18. That's awesome. I wish I had mm -hmm. known about that because then I wouldn't have paid for as much Panera. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And you know, people think, oh, it sounds too good to be true. And it does, but it's real and, and it exists all over the nation. People just need to find out about it. So it's, it's a very important part of what I do. And it's very, you know, rewarding and, sure. um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. <laughs> Well, that's what I say about the restaurant business in general. And, you know, when you talk to people who cook, like obviously you're a person who cooks or you mm -hmm. talk to chefs or, you you know, you heard some other interviews with, you know, uh, my friend Peter or Chris or me. You will, That's what everybody always says is cooking is extremely, extremely hard, backbreaking, sweat dripping mm -hmm. labor. And it's no question right. about that, but it's so rewarding just to know that you're making such a difference in people's lives. You know, whether you're. Like you said, like whether you're the lunch lady cooking free meals for kids or whether you're at a five star restaurant, everybody who works right. in food is so important to our culture as a whole. And that's that's the whole reason I do this show, as, as I pitched at you before, which is telling everybody's story. So what are some good things you've experienced uh, working as a school nutritional professional? Um, I think one of the most extraordinary thing for me is how much I've traveled. Um, as I say, I came into school nutrition just because I was there anyway. So, you know, volunteering. So I just decided to get a job. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess they saw the passion I had for children and you know, I have been to Denver, Utah, Las Vegas, Texas, Boston, yeah. Kansas. I'm going to Missouri this year. I have been to to so many places. Um, Food Network has has come to Maryville High School because they had heard that there was 41% waste um, since the school you know regulations came into effect. Mm -hmm. And so they came and they want to work on a cookbook. They're working with our local vendor right now, which is, which is Gordon's Food Service. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, everything has to be approved by the USDA. So we're working on that. <laughs> and um, But they got to see the children and the way they interacted with us. And, you know, Food Network has had, you know, they have that chopped competition and they've had Lunch Lady chopped. They've had the... <laughs> head chef from the White House come to our meetings and he's like, I'm in tears. I'm in tears. This is so amazing. I mean, right. school lunch, prof lunch lady professionals or whether they be obviously gentlemen truly have a passion for children. And we certainly don't do it for the money. And um, it's just so amazing when those kids speak to you and you're their smile every day. And you know what we did this year, which was amazing. I, I have to say one of the best ideas I've ever had was we contacted our local first responders and we said, you know, listen, we're, we're having this huge Thanksgiving dinner and 
it's taken me three days to prepare it. And, you know, I'm understaffed. Would you consider coming in? Some of these guys had graduated the high school. Some had kids at the high school. We had, I think there was about nine local responders come in and serve the food to the children. And that was amazing because you've got the community involved and you've got these local responders involved and you've got these kids that can relate and that know that these these guys care about them. It, it was just absolutely amazing. So between Food Network, the travel, the community, um, and just generally being a role model to high schoolers who I have to say need as much attention as kindergartners because, <laughs> you know, they may be 17, 18 years old, but they're going through a tough time. No, it is. I mean, high school and middle school, they're, they're hard. It's easy to be, it's easy to be six, you know, yeah. six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Those are great. Easy, yeah. easy years. 12. That's fantastic. Once you're in middle school and on, it, it's difficult because not only do you have you know, um, well, hormones, which, you know, is just the biggest wrecker of everyone's life in the entire world. Yeah. I think that if there weren't hormones, I feel like we'd have world peace. But I feel like, because, <laughs> like I feel like all kids could like, you know, kids can be mean and they can be cruel. But overall, kids can solve their differences pretty easily. You know, like, you know, push the other kid down. The other kid pushes each other down. They all cry. Everyone's better. You know, yeah. like. You know, yeah. but uh, well, that's cool. That's some really neat, inspiring stuff you have going on. I always find that when people have uh, graduated like a high school, especially in like a smaller town, um, there's like this sense of community that happens. I'm not, by no means like what I'd call a traditional person. Like I wasn't the go to prom, go to homecoming, you know, go to college and college events and alumni stuff. But when I found out that my high school that I went to as a kid was going to flood, um, cause we had bad flooding here in Missouri a couple of years ago for like the last two or three years. Um, I went and I helped sandbag. And if you had right. asked me when I was 16, will you come back to this high school and do anything for anybody? I'd be like, no way. I hate everybody mm -hmm. here, but it's mm -hmm. the weirdest thing that kicks in. Uh, so it's just interesting. Those first responders had that same reaction because high school is not exactly the greatest time of anyone's life. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, they loved it. When I contacted um, the deputy, he was like, oh, well, let me ask and see if anybody would be interested. And they were so excited. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, <laughs> and I don't know who enjoyed it more, my staff, because they had like nine people helping us or, <laughs> or the kids. I mean, we had firefighters in like aprons washing dishes. Like it was so awesome. And you know, the kids loved it. It was, an, I would, I would just recommend it to any lunch lady <laughs> listening to this. It was so much fun. And I know when I went back to England about 10 years ago, I um, pulled together a high school reunion and you know, these people have all lived in the same town and I've been gone 29 years yet. They all hadn't seen each other in like, 29 years, you know, it's yeah. like, so, um, sometimes it just takes a little boost of encouragement to bring people together and, you know, all encourage each other. And, you know, school nutrition is, is a lot more than people think it is, but it's very, you know, very, very rewarding and just, just so much fun. Just, 
just so much fun. I, I love it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you'd it's recommend emotional. it? <laughs> I would. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's not that, you know, job where you meet someone and go, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a lunch lady. Oh, wow. That's amazing. But to me, <laughs> that's amazing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so speaking of, of fun things, do you have any funny stories you'd like to share about uh, working as a lunch lady? Oh, let me think. The funniest story I can think of that's appropriate is, <laughs> <laughs> um, it got, you know, because English to English translation problems sometimes sure. get me in trouble. Um, like I've put the joint in the oven. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that means a joint of meat. Yeah. Um, you know, th the first year I was manager, now keep in mind, all I'd done is cut broccoli for a year. Like I had no experience. And my mother was a lunch lady in England, but I didn't know anything. And so the first year I was manager was the first year Obama put this, you know, Healthy Kids Act into effect. Mm -hmm. And so we got pulled for review, which was like wonderful. So this guy comes into my office and he's checking through, you know, anything over two ingredients needs a recipe. You have to have production records. You have to have six cents records. You have to have all this paperwork. So this gentleman is sitting in my office, like literally going through everything and he's analyzing and evaluating and criticizing everything, you know, trying to, you know, help me. But I didn't know what I was doing. And quite frankly, he didn't either. It was the first year. So there was a knock on my office door and it was one of our guidance counselors and she has no idea who this guy is. So she knocks on the door and I'm looking like, you know, a deer in the headlights. <laughs> and she's like, Debbie, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, uh-huh. And I said, and she looked down at this gentleman and I, you know, told her his name and he repeated his name and he said, I, I'm such and such and I work for the government and, you know, tried to be quite domineering. And she tapped him on the shoulder and she goes, no way, so do we. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden it hit me like a ton of bricks that, you know what? We're all doing our best. Yeah. And you can't dominate me. You can't intimidate me just like you didn't intimidate her. And we're all in this together. And we passed with flying colors and everything we did was fine. But I was so uptight and so scared that I was doing something wrong. And for her to simplify it in such an innocent way was just like probably the funniest moment of my manager career. I mean, I will never forget it. It's that, interesting because, uh, you know, there is that like that almost like stigma. If you've never worked with government agencies before that like, Oh, you know, cause it thanks TV and movies that the government's gonna, you know, they're, they're, they're hiding UFOs and you know, they know things <laughs> that you don't know. And they're just like regular guys doing their job, you know, like, hi, I'm Bob. I'm in accounting. I work for the IRS and uh, I make sure that taxes are filed correctly. You know, there's right. nothing exciting or, or insidious. These are just people literally doing jobs that you do anywhere right. else. 
fine. She had nothing to lose. She was like, she literally slapped him and she was like, no way. So do we. And I was like, oh my gosh. And, um, and to this day, it still makes me laugh every time I think about it. And, uh, we just had another administrative review and we passed with flying colors because we do what we're supposed to do. Um, you know, we're creative, um, but it's very difficult to keep within, you know, um, the calories, which is 850 calories for lunch, 10 grams of sat fat, 740 milligrams of sodium. Like that's not easy to do while you're trying to feed kids. Like it's hard. And some of these kids, you know, come through for breakfast and they've done two hours of football practice already. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. And you've got to feed them a one ounce biscuit. (laughs) I mean, it's hard. (laughs) And you're like, uh, yeah. So about that, you're going to need to bring protein shakes from now on. Yeah, I'm thinking. (laughs) But we do our best. We do our best. But that's probably the funniest story. Other than silly things I've said to children that they do not understand because of my <laughs> accent or where I'm from. And uh, I get, you know, and I have to kind of explain myself. And then it's, yeah, it's. Do you it get is. annoyed with that question? Like, oh, you have an accent. Where are you from? Well, you know, there's a town right next to us, um, Greenback. And so when people say to me, you're not from here, I say, no, I'm from Greenback. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just kind of walk away totally confused. (laughs) Did you know, Marsha, the people from Greenback talk like they're from England? (laughs) when When the kids actually find out where I'm from, They're like, oh, my God, the Beatles. And, you know, it's funny because my dad was the bouncer at the cabin um, when the Beatles first started. And my Auntie Kathy was the leading band. And we lived next door to Julia Lennon, um, which is John's sister. And so uh, I just I remember we lived on Brydale Road. And so we knew the Beatles like way before I, I was too little, but way before they were famous. And so. That's like when the kids ask me, oh, you're from Liverpool? Oh, the Beatles. And then I tell them that story and then that's it. Like, Sure. Yeah, I'm Mama Deb from them on. You know, it's like, that's it. I have, just... a, I have a weird question. I have not a weird question, a weird addition to the story. Okay. So I don't, this is so weird that you knew them because um, my high school driver's ed teacher was from New York. Just, she knew Mike D from the Beastie Boys and was his teacher in New York City. And I remember I was listening to the Beastie Boys and she's like, Oh, you like the Beastie Boys? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I was like, I'm like sitting here, you know, I'm like a 16 year old kid. I'm like, how do you know who the Beastie Boys are? And she's like, Oh yeah. Uh, Mike Diamond or Mike D. He, I taught him how to drive. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, that's so weird. <laughs> so that's so weird that you live, you know, your family lived next to these. I mean, like, yeah. is, is Liverpool a big city? Is it a small? I mean, is it tw- are there 12? If there's 12 people who live there, that story is not nearly as impressive if there's like a couple million. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly how many people live there because I've been gone for 29 years, but it's a big city. You know, sure. it's a big city. And, you know, I was going, I don't know if you've heard of the band Kings of Leon. Yeah. Have you, have you heard of them, Kings of Leon? I have. Well, I had never. 
And my sister in England loved the Kings of Leon. Like that was like the hip band. So I went online and I ordered these two T-shirts, like Kings of Leon T-shirts, because I was going home to visit. And so I wore one so that she'd be so jealous. And then I could be like, oh, I got one for you. Like it was like a big surprise, right? So I'm sitting in the airport and this guy's looking at me and he's smiling. And I'm just like, this guy's totally weird, but whatever. And then... (laughs) And then we get on the plane and he's still looking at me and smiling. And I'm just like, what's wrong with this dude? And then he comes up to me and he says, are you coming to our concert? And I said, who are you? And I don't remember his name. Thank God my daughter was with me or my sister would never believe me. But he was the guitarist of the Kings of Leon. And so he thinks I'm this like big groupie. Here I am in his T-shirt. And I had never even heard them. I didn't know one song. She had just mentioned them. And so anyway, we got home and she was like, oh, my God, your T-shirt. And I gave her one and we told her the whole story. And she was mad. I never got it signed. But anyway. Oh, that would have been the. Yeah, that I would have never thought about that. I would have been so uncomfortable that this person would have been staring at me the whole time. Like, who is this creeper? You know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. And he thinks I'm a creeper. I'm walking around with his picture on my shirt, you know, and. And I had no idea who he was, but that is um, unbelievably you, funny. Yeah, you just don't know. You just don't know who you're sitting next to in an in an airport. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how many? Let's talk a bit, a little bit about the technical aspect of what you do. So, how many uh, lunch ladies or lunch gentlemen do you guys normally work with on your staff? On my staff personally, I have ten. And then, uh, how many people are you cooking for? Um, typically about 700 a day. And then that's like two, two and a half meals. You'd said two and a half meals. What do you well, mean? Well, you got breakfast, you got two servings of breakfast, oh, yeah. one and a half and then um, lunch. Yeah. They have the option of first breakfast, um, secondary breakfast, which is a biscuit at around 10 o'clock <laughs> or, and then they have lunch. It's interesting that you were talking about how it's hard to get kids to eat breakfast because I will tell you I am 33 years old and I cannot eat breakfast. You, right. I wake up at 6 in the morning, but I cannot possibly eat until 9.30. It's just not right. possible. I cannot do it. It's not physically possible. Right. So what would you say is the most challenging aspect of what you do? The most challenging aspect of what I do is bringing the kids in and having them trust me and try new things. And that requires building a rapport between you and the child. And I have um, opinion boxes out where the kids can tell me what they want, what they don't want, what they like. Like if I put a new recipe out, a new meal out. Now, remember, if I put a new meal out, I have to do a whole new six cents and a whole new production record. So it's like a big deal to put something new out. And so um, I think the biggest thing is just getting the kids to try new things. And that's why second breakfast is so important because no one's hungry at 7.30. They're in there catching up with the homework because they worked the night before and they didn't get home till late or they're an honor student and they have extra work to do. But then by 930, 
you know, 9.45, they're hungry. So we have second breakfast, which is very popular. Hmm. And But just getting the kids to trust me, try new things, approach me, tell me what they want, build that rapport, let them know I care, and let them know my staff cares. And we have kids that come up every morning and hug on us and tell them all that all their problems and, you know, what's for lunch and that, you know, determines what they'll eat for breakfast and, Mm -hmm. and, and just basically, you know, when you've got kindergartners, it's like training a dog, sit, stay, don't move, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and they do it. When you've got high schoolers, it's like baptizing a cat, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's like they either love you or they don't. Right. And you can't make him either way. You just have to be you and you have to let them know that they are why you are here. Because without them, we're nothing. That is really interesting that, you know, like, I never thought about the building trust aspect. I guess as a chef, right, you you put the the four-letter word chef in front of your name. And people all of a sudden trust your opinion. You know, like I was in Walgreens the other day and I was just getting like one of those Arizona iced teas. And this lady was sitting mm-hmm. there and she was trying to pick between two or three flavors. It, I, I can't help but not share my opinion. I mean, how am I not <laughs> going to share my opinion? It's me. So I was like, oh, uh, I, was like, I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really like that flavor, but this flavor here is actually really good. And she looked at me like I was insane. Like, who are you, this random person telling me what to drink? And then I look at her and I go, oh, I need to establish rapport. Oh, I'm a chef. It would be inappropriate for me not to give you a recommendation. And after that, she was like really receptive to my opinion. So I can only imagine that you've got to build that rapport. But I have an idea. Can I pitch my idea at you here? Go for it. You need an Instagram page. You need an Instagram page for your cafeteria. And every day or like once a week, you could do a feature where you take pictures of what you want to make or people's suggestions and you do like the little like uh, the, the little things like give me your feedback. Like, hey, we'd love to hear what you'd like to have in the in the cafeteria. And because the kids would be on Instagram anyways, bing, bang, boom, you've got a built in audience right away. You probably got like a thousand person audience right there, Deb. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and that is for my director. Like she wants to get into that now where she's, you know, going to build a Facebook page and Insta. I know Facebook is for us old people now, but yes, it is. you know, Instagram and stuff like that. I mean, but I do what I can by putting out like a suggestion box and I want to hear your opinion matters sure. and I'll get, you know, and I'll get some, and, and the letters I get from kids, um, English class usually does, um, at the end of the graduation year, you know, when they're seniors, um, you know, write a letter to somebody that meant something to you that made a difference in your life during school. And the letters I get would bring you to your knees. And, you know, it's that their opinion does matter and they will come up and talk to me and tell me, and I run a register and I make sure that um, I am, always available to the children. I'm not the manager in the back on the computer. Like I'm wiping tables. I'm talking to the kids. Everybody knows me by name. You know, I remember for my 40th birthday, the kids put out 
um, which was not very long ago, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> um, they put this like huge piece of paper out in the cafeteria and all the kids signed it and they spread it around the cafeteria walls and glued it to the walls. It was like unbelievable. And so I think, you know, social media can be great, but if there's that one thing that happens that is negative or there's always someone negative, Mm -hmm. then it can cause problems too. I think so too. And that is actually, I think personally, uh, what has, and now we're going to talk about social media, of course. Um, how could we possibly go a podcast without talking about social media? Right. Um, I think personally, that's what killed Facebook. Right. I think there's three things that killed Facebook. Number one is negativity. Uh, no one should be allowed to share their opinion openly uh, because, you know, it's not polite, right? You know, because right. as soon as you have the ability to talk about your feelings, all you're going to talk about is your feelings and politics. And nobody can't, nobody wants to talk about either one of those things. It's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Didn't we all go to etiquette classes as a kid? Like, you don't talk about certain things in certain companies. Right. And then number two was the privacy thing. I think the privacy thing is the other part that really killed Facebook is, you know, look at Instagram and Snapchat and tic- or TikTok even. I have a friend who has... 500 followers on Instagram and she has over like 35,000 followers on TikTok because they allow you to broadcast your content to everybody all the time. And that anti-privacy thing really makes a huge difference. But anyways, that's not important. What's important is you. That was my personal opinion. I'm off my soapbox now. So I really think what you do is important. And I want to give you a, a second to talk about that. But really what I want, I want to talk about next what is the sixth sense in 2012 um, regulations? What happened? Uh, tell me why it's different now. And what was it like before? Okay, before um, the Healthy Kids Act came to effect in 2012, and um, we could basically feed the kids whatever we wanted. Um, okay. You know, we would make Belgian waffles every morning, and we would have bananas and strawberries and chocolate chip and blueberries and we would make them like you know when you go to a hotel and they have like a buffet like we could serve whatever we wanted we made homemade bagels we made we could do whatever we wanted and then when the healthy kids act came into effect in 2012 which was luckily for me the year i became manager you have to serve, you know, a red, orange, dark green vegetable before you can serve a starchy vegetable. You have you can only give them two ounces of meat. You have to serve whole grain bread. Um, you know, I mean, just everything at first was going to become sweet potato. So the first conference we went to in 2012, everything was sweet potato. And then they were like, Oh no, no, we're not doing that now. Kids don't like sweet potatoes. And um, (laughs) I could have told you that. You could have called me. (laughs) And so it just became really complicated. And, And then we had this, what the six cent report is, is basically to receive an extra six cents per meal per student, you have to comply to the regulations. So you have to fill out a six cent report, which is everything you feed a child. I mean, I'm talking condiment, the whole nine yards. And it has to fit within the calories, sat, fat, and sodium for the age group, which for me is 850 calories, 10 Mm -hmm. grams of sat, fat, 
740 milligrams of sodium and you have to fit into that and you have to comply. And then every five years we have an administrative review where we have to prove that we have complied by these regulations. And so what we were basically doing is taking, you have to think most people that are lunch ladies have been in this profession for 15, 20, 30 years, right? They've been in it forever. And I don't know if you ever listened to that Adam Sandler lunch lady song that I had mentioned to you, but, you know, it pretty much sums it up. Well, it was easier for me because I came in and was like, this is the regulations, follow them. And I was like, okay. You're like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't know any different. So, um, you know, we had to introduce herbs and spices and, you know, sodium reg- and, and what all the vendors did and all the, you know, the food companies was just pull all the sodium out of the food. Right. Which is 90% which, of your flavor. Right. So what are you doing then? You're serving kids food that they won't eat. And then, right. you know, they're like, they have to take this amount of fruit and this amount of vegetable. And so what was that doing? It was getting thrown in the trash can, which is why Food Network contacted me and said, 41% of your food is getting thrown in the trash can. And I was like, me? And, and he was like, yeah. And I'm like, no, you need to come here. And so they came and I had them literally go through the whole day with me, including what the the kids threw away. And globally, yes, 41% of food is getting thrown away because the kids don't eat it. So it's taken the past, you know, seven years to realize how to implement flavors without adding calories, without adding sodium. You know, if you're putting a spaghetti bar out there, cut up some fresh basil, you know, do things that the kids are going to eat and treat them with respect because in Maryville, Tennessee, they can, they can go to the store and they can buy their own food. You know, um, Mm -hmm. they don't have to eat on site. And so um, food nutrition has changed a lot. We have to serve, um, at, you know, 51% whole grain um, products. We have to give them two ounces of meat. Um, we have to serve dark green, orange, red vegetables before we can serve starchy vegetables. We have a lot of regulations that we have to follow, which people don't understand. And not only do we have to follow them, but we have to document them and submit them. And so it's it's difficult, but we do it. It does sound difficult. It sounds Mm -hmm. um, maybe difficult is not the right word. Challenging. I think it sounds it's 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 challenging. And the challenging aspect of it is that. It's, it's a whole new world because food has been made in one way, especially in like, uh, not a clinical setting, but, you know, in a large scale setting, almost like food science. I had a food scientist on here, but right. there, you know, a lot of times that focus on when you're just trying to feed a lot of people isn't, you know, what you'll focus on in like a boutique, uh, restaurant, like a 32 person restaurant, you know, like, you know, where you can get these super high quality ingredients and then you have these high level chefs who can, you know 
make these sauces and things like that or like you do with the bone broth. You can't make bone broth for 48 hours, you know, <laughs> right. at the school and feed no. it to the kids and go, oh, yeah, it's really good for you. You really like it, you know. And, and the kids look at me because I'll be standing there with my cup of bone broth and they're like, Miss Deb, what do you, you know, what do you what are you drinking? I'm like bone broth. And like, we want to taste it. Like they, they trust me because they, they know I care about them. Like we just got this new uh, machine that like tests your body mass and your body fat and this and that and the other. And just being an example, like I'm a, I'm a fitness fanatic and, um, you know, just being somebody the kids can relate to, you know, and Mm -hmm. they see you in the gym and they see you taking care of yourself and, and, you know, it, it's just I think it's just very important to build that rapport with them where they feel they can come up and talk to you and try new things and trust you. And that's very difficult when you've got these regulations that you're trying to convince them that they they need when obesity doesn't start in school. Sure. Um, you know, the hardest thing about government regulations and, and you know, is that government regulations don't equate to how I feel. And right. that's, that's one of those hard, one of those hard things is, you know, sometimes they'll put a policy in place and it affects people negatively um, immediately. And sometimes over time it'll turn out into a good thing. But a lot of times when I'll, I'll be honest, if you showed up with a government regulation and said, you're, I understand that you're hungry, Mr. Callahan, but you're not allowed to have that cheeseburger. I would slap you and I'd eat right. the cheeseburger anyways, right. you know, cause I'm just hungry. And right. so I can see how for you when you're trying to feed kids and get them to, to eat, you know, like it's it, it that's that's hard. That's just a that's a difficult position to be in. So I think that pretty much covers all my big questions. I think we got a couple minutes left uh, for the wrap up and, you know, talking about your future plan. So I got to ask the question, uh, are you going to continue to be a school nutrition professional or are you going to move on? What are you thinking? You know, I've worked in many different professions and I have never in my life been so appreciated as I am as a lunch lady. And I don't care that I'm the manager. I'm I'm not a boss. I'm a leader. Um, The love and the compassion from the children and the need that the children have for that friendly face, I'm staying where I am. And yeah, and um, I think that um, unless, of course, they get rid of me, which they they might after this interview, but, um, you know, we have a huge um, faculty participation. Um, We have I have a wonderful rapport with my students. I'm happy my daughter graduates this year and is going off to college. So I have, you know thought about what it's going to be like once my kids leave. But, you know, there's one thing that my son is a sophomore this year. And so he said to my daughter, who's um, a senior, he said, you know, do you have any advice for me? And he said, when you go through, and she said, when you go through mama's line, just say biological because she's mama Deb to everybody. So if you say mom, she's not going to know who you are. And that meant the world to me because she realized that, you know, other children relate to me, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. So I am going to stay in um, food nutrition. Um, I 
love working in the school system. I will love to go back to school and maybe do some dietitian or nutritionalist um, and maybe work out some sort of program to make it easier to meet these regulations and comply Mm -hmm. with them. Um, I would love to be the director of food service one day. Um, And yeah, I'm going to stay where I am. As, As simple as it is, makes me happy. I like it. Really powerful, inspiring uh, interview. I don't know if that's what you were going for, but that's what you gave me. So <laughs> I, I'm going to say uh, thank you very much for being on The People Behind Your Food. Now, uh, if someone wants to find you, um, send you a message, contact you in any way, do you have a preferred means of contact? Um, my email address is probably my preferred means of contact, which is um, with my accent, I have to kind of spell it out. Um, it's M for mommy, H for house, S for school, dot cafe, C-A-F-E at Maryville, M-A-R-Y-V-I-L-L-E hyphen schools with an S dot org. Okay, there you go. So that is Deb Ace, and that was my fantastic very first lunch lady interview. And I got it, like I said, totally inspired. Now I'm kind of going, maybe I want to be a lunch lady when I grow up. I mean, yeah. I do work with cancer patients, so let's do this too. We have a whole life worth, worth of uh, good hard work that changes the world. So well, thank you very much for being on the show. And um, for those of you who are listening, you can find me at Instagram at chef underscore Ryan underscore Callahan. And my website is chefryancallahan.com. Feel free to reach out to me if you guys have any questions. And again, Deb, thank you guys so much for being on here. And you guys, I'll see you next week.